Shut up and sit down. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Third Shift. This is episode 54. I'm your host, Matt. With me, as always, is Eric. This time, we got friend of the show, Joe Zoes, with us as well. We might as well start this off like we always do, go around the horn. Eric, how was your week this week? Well, it was a uh, eventful week. A lot of family issues going on, so we're taking care of the business on that end. Came off another camping trip. I'm sure you guys are going to be so happy to hear about that. You can't <laughs> see, obviously, because this is audio only. But the top of my scalp, my balding scalp, is actually like peeling away. There's chunks of flesh I've been ripping off every day, and then I eat You're them. Becoming a husk. Because, well, yeah, yeah so I go. do love eating my own flesh. So I guess you know, it's part of zombie husk, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been going on, unfortunately. Other than that, work, same old crap. Video game wise, been rocking out some Persona. Got in a little bit of uh, Rocket Brawl, obviously, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And then, bam, been rocking out Fortnite. And I'm loving it, enjoying it. Still some improvement needed, but we're going to talk more about it later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what about you, man? Uh, you know, just a regular old day of work on the video game front. Beat the Game of Thrones game. That was pretty fantastic. Enjoyed that a lot. Some really good deaths at the end. I won't spoil anything, obviously. <laughs> Other than that, played some Rocket Brawl, of course. Played a little bit of Overwatch and then been playing Fortnite a whole bunch. Uh, outside of that, I don't know, nothing going on. Don't even really have any wrestling to talk about this week. So uh, how about you, Joe? How was this week for you? And also introduce yourself to the people. Give us give us some background on the Joe's O's. Well, 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 everybody. <laughs> oh, my Joe. God. <laughs> Gimmick infringement. Gimmick infringement. I'm a fan <laughs> and supporter of Third Shift Podcast. It's very good to make all of your acquaintances, especially, you know, right now with my debut on Third Shift. My week was pretty basic. Nothing much happened. Work sucks. <laughs> Familiar refrain on the show. Uh-huh. Uh, video game-wise, I definitely spent a fair amount of time in Rocket Brawl, Fortnite, and then I also dabbled some, a lot, in Friday the 13th, Dead by Daylight. Oh, yeah. Legend of Zelda is still that's my mainstay. It was uh, an eventful week, coming uh, video game-wise. Awesome. Cool. So what about you? How'd you end up getting into old Gearbox stuff and getting all up in the forums? <laughs> Well, um, my first experience that I knew of uh, with a Gearbox game, since I actually played uh, Duke Nukem way back in the day, but I, I, you know, I wasn't really into following studios or really learning about game dev or anything of that sort. Which is funny because that's been something bigger in recent years. Oh yeah. Back in the day when we were young men, you know, you didn't care who developed the game or mm. published the game nope. really. It was just whatever game it was that was fun, you played it. But nowadays, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, Gearbox, oh, EA, oh, this and <laughs> And that. it was easier back then, too, though, uh, to get into games like that because you could just walk into your blockbuster Hollywood video or whatever, see something like you wanted, something that looked good, the cover looked awesome, and you're like, okay, I'll try to rent that if I could sneak it past my parents at the time. <laughs> right, <laughs> I had right. pretty strict mm-hmm. regulations, but... Um, Stick your finger over the ASRB rating. <laughs> it's yes. uh, it's E for everyone, Ma. <laughs> Why is there a demon with blood on its face in the cover here? This doesn't seem good. No, nah, it's fine. It's like a pinata. It's not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think my first Gearbox experience was Borderlands 2, and it was my first type of loot shooter, and I'd never played anything like it, and I was just drawn to it because I was coming from a place where I really hadn't been playing a lot of video games um i was recently single 
and it was like the perfect time to fill the void. It was it was like everything I needed in one perfectly cell shaded copy. Nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amen, brother. And ever since, I just enjoyed it so much that uh, when I heard that they were working on a new title, which ended up becoming Battleborn, uh, I just decided I was going to follow it along and ride it out. And so I've been with it um, ever since it was announced. It was just awesome. So as a result, I figured I wanted to spend more time in it, support the game more, uh, listen to podcasts pers- you know, about it, perhaps. And so I found you guys. And the rest is history. My other question is, where does the name Jozo's come from? Were you a big Cheerios fan? Did you like SpaghettiOs <laughs> as a kid? What's what's the deal? I was thinking SpaghettiOs. That's what I had my money on. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we have an outlet out here, which you guys might have, Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. And Trader Joe's has their knockoff cereal brand, Jozo's. Oh, okay. And so I'm actually not that big of a fan of, of cereal at all. <laughs> um but I had never had a nickname until I went to college, and one of my college buddies called me Jozo's because of the cereal. Oh, okay. And it stuck, so <laughs> I adopted it towards some of my social media platforms and my gaming nice. gamer tag and whatnot. So that's how I became Jozo's. Oh, that's beautiful. That... Yep. Now I'm just as, as your little icon for everything involved with you anymore. I'm just going to put a box of generic cereal. <laughs> you could. <laughs> You know, you could pull my picture up. No, no, you're just a box of cereal to me now. Better this way. It's funny you brought this up, too, because um, not once had anybody come to me and said, your name's like the cereal, until yesterday, of all days. Oh, really? Somebody messaged me like while I was playing um, Dead by Daylight, and they said, Chozo's, like the cereal. And I'm like, yeah. Thing. I mean, I should be congratulating you because you're the first person, but I don't have like a box of Jozo's. So, well, there we go. I'm going to look up a Google image search a Jozo's box, and that'll be the the picture for this episode's announcement. There we go. <laughs> there you have it. And then I'll go to Trader Joe's in Ann Arbor and buy a box, and I'll mm. forever sit it on the Joe Shrine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the it'll other be, it'll be a secondary shrine. Joe Shrine. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, every time it might be a little bit self-aggrandizing, but every time you say the Joe Shrine, I'm like. They mean me. It's got to be me. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. That pretty much wraps up all of our weeks. Together, we didn't do any art competition on Tuesday. Nobody challenged us. Coming up next Tuesday, we got IG2G number 12. I know, Eric, you said you got a bunch of really cool ideas for that. Sure do, man. I've got a couple. We actually got our first IG2G mailbag submission, so that'll be one of my topics. I'm looking forward to that, as always, especially this week because they've announced a bunch of stuff. There's a few games that have come popping out that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's gonna be a good week, and then of course I'll get you off my back because you know I won't talk about my my favorite little baby Destiny Two. You're lying. You're gonna bring it up. I know you oh, are. Oh yeah, you know, baby. <laughs> we'll be sitting there on Sunday night. Oh, I don't have any topics. Well, Destiny Two released <laughs> a gun, so I'm gonna talk about a gun. Could be the trifecta. It's a like Destiny Two, Horizon Zero Dawn, and uh, Persona Five. There we go. Exactly. Oh, yes, Persona 5, which has a ton of announcements. I'm sure you're going to be excited about that, Matt. It does? I missed it. Oh, my gosh. We'll talk later. Expertise. There's a lot going on. Persona's got an anime coming, a 3DS game coming. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. 
couple dance games. Oh yeah, I saw the Persona Q sequel is coming. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, we're off topic. That's a different. That's a different podcast. Jeez, oh, Pete. <laughs> but then in Gearbox news, like I told you guys last week, we did get shift codes for Golden Keys in Borderlands the pre sequel. So hit up the Twitter, hit up the forums, hit up your preferred shift code provider, and go grab those up. Other than that, not much news that I saw. Unless either of you guys saw anything else. I didn't see anything pertaining to Gearbox besides that. Nope, not a whole lot of news. Uh, there was a service interruption re- uh, recently. Oh, you're jumping ahead. I know both of you had some opinions on that, though. Yeah, you were thinking it was going to be a big thing, right? We might as well just talk about it now, because it was this week. So Yeah, we can. <laughs> it was this week. So uh, you were thinking it was going to be a little something-something uh, for Battleborn, maybe? A little update of some kind? Generally, anytime they try to do the back-end work for a major patch or any additions... There is some sort of back-end work with the shift servers. It's not usually that they take it down for that long, so that's what piqued my curiosity. So I suppose the speculation remains, but we won't know until we see something concrete, which probably won't be happening for at least one, two weeks. So you got the optimistic view. Yeah. I took the pessimistic view, and uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think they took them down to go ahead and shut down some servers because the traffic wasn't as high as, you know, forecasted or whatever the case is they they weren't using them so why have them on wasting cash money i'm going to shine up your pessimistic view a little bit instead of shutting down servers because that implies that they just like threw them out the back end and into the dumpster consolidating servers to improve the play experience because if you're over here on server a and 18 people are over here on server b now you're all on server c you got a higher population there see how about that i like it i like that political talk for uh (laughs) shutting servers down it's nice oh that's brutal I was totally mid-road Jones. I saw the announcement on the tweet said, hey, check out the forum link for more info. And I clicked to the forum link and it just said exactly what they said in the tweet. So I just went, hey, what's? there's no more info. Like you said, Joe, I mean, we'll see what comes out of it, if anything. I mean, time will tell. We shall see. Indeed it will. Hopefully it's positive. Hopefully positive. Anyway, other than that, we'll just roll straight into the battle plan. First up this week in the new this week segment was, hey, you guys, did you enjoy flying around as a trash can bird blowing each other up? Well, did we, guys? Oh, man. I'll let Joe start this out. Let's do it, (laughs) Joe. Go. Trash can bird. Hmm. Benedict, for the longest time, was one of my least played characters, which is funny because in the beta, he was one of my most played characters. And I don't know if it's a false sense of altruism, per se, but... I chose not to play Benedict because he was so overpowered at the time. I felt like, not not that he wasn't fun, but when I was playing him and just getting scores of kills because it was just, you know, a hawkeye to cheap crits, like, coming raining down from the sky, it, it just didn't feel right. didn't feel like that was the way it was supposed to be played. And ultimately, they agreed and changed him and nerfed him. But yeah, Trash Can Bird has gone from Trash Can Bird to like a proper rocket hawk now and i think we're at a place (laughs) where rocket brawl was ideal it was it was like the perfect build of benedict for rocket brawl and i was extremely pleased with the result i'm glad you said that because me and matt had the exact same opinion and that if benedict had been like he is in rocket brawl this entire time man yeah wow i'd be trash can bird every day of the week (laughs) (laughs) so i'm hoping that because that was so amazing, and I'm sure besides us three, there's got to be more people out there saying how awesome that was and how good Benedict felt. 
being able to actually glide and fly almost the entire time, yeah. get in and out of situations, you know, and, and be what he's supposed to be, in my opinion, an actual bird. Yeah. You know, up in the air. And it, it, it's always frustrated me that, you know, before this rocket brawl, you're up gliding for a little bit, but then it's over. Yeah. And in this, you're like, no, I can fly because I'm a bird with wings. Here we go. I feel like until Monuments was a map and incursion, Benedict's abilities, well, sort of in Paradise too, but really his abilities were hampered by the level design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I I mean, I love the level design in Battleborn. There were some bugs early on, like Marquis cheesing the sentry and whatnot, but they fixed those up, and for the most part, they've made some excellent maps. But Benedict wasn't optimized, because you couldn't fly around all the time. Mm-hmm. And of course, it makes sense for him not to be able to fly around all the time, because... I mean, he's strong enough now, and now he's impossible to hit, um, especially for melee characters. So um, I'm glad that he's not like that normally, but I desperately wanted to explore a mode with Benedict with that like ultimate flying abilities with lift downs off uh, cooldown and perpetuity and like just gliding around and air dodging. It was it was immensely fun and funny too, because. Benedict easily has some of the best voice over uh, acting, some of the best lines, and just hearing old call out after old call out was hilarious. It was a lot of fun. I would say the funniest moments for me by far were watching all the individuals who either A, have never played Benedict before because yep. they're new, or B, just <laughs> never played Benedict, period. Yep. Just f- jumping out. And falling to their death, or just <laughs> or just gliding into a wall, and just like putzing their head Dropping. against it until they fell. <laughs> I, was, I just laughed so hard for like twenty minutes straight at just watching this. Mm. Oh gosh! And then just watching the poor saps give up and just sit in the base mm-hmm. and just stand there because they just can't figure it out. I'm like, oh gosh. Speaking of level design, it's clear that these two latest modes. Uh, with new maps were not as polished uh, level design wise. There are still like little areas, especially with Benedict, where you could latch onto like a ledge on a column, mm-hmm. hiding behind it, and just shoot your ult mm-hmm. guided around the map and just kill somebody and never get found. Yep. I saw one guy in my map uh, had 22 kills in Rocket Brawl doing just that from the same spot hidden, which kind of defeats the purpose because you want to be out there. You want to embrace that risk of a one-hit kill, mm-hmm. uh, and just having like that little kind of dogfighting feel of like flying through the air and dodging rockets. And I mean, mm-hmm. that—that's what it's all about. I feel like Benedict has never felt better than this. Plus, hey, you're flying around, you're gliding, you're one-hit killing that guy in midair with a non-guided rocket. It felt good. It made me burst out laughing. Me too. It just felt so good. Just, ah, got you ass! <laughs> it felt like rocket jumping and, like, nailing enemies with rockets and quake. Yep. And that felt, like, old school, and it just felt, it felt good. It felt like it was a really good iteration of Battleborn with a really versatile character. Yeah, definitely. Like I told Matt, it just remind me of Quake Arena, because it's like you have the RPGs all over again. You just If you get that shot, they're dead. It was just quick. Fragged. You were getting in there, jumping on the point, throwing out rockets. You either killed them or they killed you. There was no messing around. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the best chance you had at surviving was getting in the air, flying around, and then, of course, you know, getting in dogfights, basically, seeing who could outmaneuver who until someone finally got hit. That was another thing that I really enjoyed is there were so many people that would just glide around and would, you know, 
lead you just enough if you were gliding. But since you had that low cooldown, you could drop out of your glide, hit a boost, mm-hmm. drop down, glide. You could play around in the air a lot more than you normally can as Benedict, where it's double jump, shoot up, and then now all you can do is fall or glide. That's that's your only options. That's your two options, yep. The only thing I think I wish they would have had, besides, like you said, a little more polish, because I did also notice that a lot of Benedicts were getting up on top of the uh, enemy's home base shield. Yep. And they would just stand at the top of that, and it had all sorts of just weird blockage going on, and you couldn't actually hit them unless you came all the way up and around and then got a hold of them. So, like you said, they were up there just shooting rockets to their heart's content, getting kills, being a little, a little cheap with it. Yeah, defeats the purpose of the mode. If they did it again, I'm sure that they could clean up a couple things, a couple areas like that pretty quickly. But on the whole, it was really fun. Um, I enjoyed the little Easter eggs uh, actual eggs, like Ernest's power eggs that were kind of strewn across some of the points. Mm-hmm. That was a nice little extra UPR feel. Shout out to Sonny Strait, the voice actor, too, for Benedict, because honestly, Benedict, to me, is one of the funnier characters in the game. Oh, yeah. His taunts notwithstanding, because Arrested Development is amazing, and all of those taunts, the chicken dance, are amazing. I love the puking uh, rocket. And I got a whole bunch of that in this mode. The only th- <laughs> other thing I would say, too, is I, I hope if they uh, go ahead and play with it anymore and re-release it, Maybe add a pillar or two with even a little more height to it. Oh, so yeah. there's like a a nice, besides the points you want to capture, a nice spot to fight for. A bird's nest. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, a bird's nest, exactly. You're going to want to fight for that. So then you got to choose between capturing the points or keeping somebody up there alive so that they can just rain rockets down basically untouched. Mm-hmm. Now kind of add a little extra level to it. I think that'd be really fun. I would like that. Yeah. Good idea. Definitely enjoyed that mode. Hope it does come back again sometime soon. Yes. All right, rolling on through the next bit of the battle plan. They mentioned the server maintenance. Then right after that, they showed off some Sung Kim artwork, plugging his Twitter that he's been showing off 2D art, some animations, all kinds of good stuff from Battleborn's early days through development, through current days. The show follows him, so I drop in every now and then, and it's all pretty cool. It's one of my favorite um, aspects of Battleborn, even though it's um, pretty unintentional. I have to say that for the most part, Gearbox does an extremely good job with community outreach and engaging their community, especially on social media. But I find like the most significant contacts between Gearbox and the community usually come from individual employees at Gearbox. Yeah. And Sung Kim is like awesome. He is such a talented artist. Uh, the 2D stuff and the FX, especially I should shout out uh, Ash Lines. Um, oh, yeah. He's fantastic as well. There's so much in Battleborn when it comes to artwork and animation and FX that you don't really see because it's all just mushed up and it just happens so quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, not to mention we're scrubs playing on consoles, man. <laughs> and we're console scrubs. We don't get all those awesome animations, you know, like the PC version gets. So. That's true, too. You got to give us a little leeway, little leeway. It's true. <laughs> but But given that, like... Being able to see that kind of stuff, or like Sung Kim on Twitter will post a little gif of an effect, and and he'll just say, where is this from? And Mm. 15 people on Twitter will start guessing like where that effect came from, where have they seen that before? And it's almost like these little Easter eggs of animations throughout the game that's, it's like really, really cool, because on the, on the one hand, you get to see it slowed down, you get to see things you might have missed, like little faces and stuff that happen. Uh, and then on the other, it's just like a little puzzle. You get to mm-hmm. uh, a little mini game, mm-hmm. a game outside of Battleborn. Go back in, do some PvP or PvE, try to find where the hell you've seen that before. Yeah, yep. good stuff. And he stumped us a lot. There are some things that you don't really appreciate until you see it isolated. 
and slowed down. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, wow, that's really cool. And my biggest thing from him lately was those pins he posted up with some of his chibi art on them. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I was yeah. like, yeah, those They're are so cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. I was like, dang it, man. And I'll, I'll never forget him on the stream drawing like the chibi. Mm-hmm. Like, that was awesome. Yeah, that was really cool. That was so cool. If we only had like a separate camera just shown directly on that document and just like time lapsed that, mm-hmm. that would have been so cool. I honestly thought they would have done that. Missed opportunity right there. I feel like there's still plenty of secrets. Uh, a lot of mysteries still in Battleborn. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. It's a matter of uh, wanting it enough. Next up in the battle plan, no hot fixes this week, but they do have the free rotation for all the free trial players. This week you got Miko, Phoebe, Whiskey Foxtrot, Thorn, Atticus, and Oscar Mike. Pretty good comp as far as I'm concerned. Anybody else have any specific thoughts? It's an awesome comp. A lot of damage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Between Phoebe, uh, Thorn, always massive damage dealers in the right hands. Whiskey and Oscar Mike are always consistent. Mm-hmm. Atticus is a beast now that he's been buffed. Yep. Uh, and Miko's the best healer in the game now. So together, that's a really intimidating comp. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what my thoughts. I was like, you give me Miko, that's great. You know, awesome healer, easy healer to boot. You got Phoebe, obviously, just, gosh, wrecking ball. <laughs> Whiskey Foxtrot, capable. It's basically everything you said. It's That's a really good comp. And it's funny because just last week I was saying they need to get Thorn in there. Exactly, yeah. I was instead thinking Instead of Marquis. Yep. Marquis had his time in the light. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Let's get Thorn up in here, and they sure did. So I can't complain at all because that's a very nice rotation. Mm-hmm. So everybody playing for free that doesn't have those characters this week is going to be in for a treat. Yeah, no pure tank on this one, but I mean, you got Phoebe with the giant shields, you got big, beefy, meaty Atticus. You can do pretty well, especially with a Miko. Yeah, Atticus with a Miko, especially in Supercharge. That That is a oh, scary sight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I don't even want to talk about him in Supercharge. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we got Community Spotlight. We got art from Bea, a little quote from her. Bea always does really good stuff. It is fantastic. She's my favorite Battleborn artist. I've seen, obviously, most of these, don't, but I never saw the Alani, and I don't know how the hell I've missed this really? Alani before. Oh, dude. Yeah. I think it's pretty new, I think. Okay, maybe it's that's not recently, it. but it, it is, like, it's probably short of official GBX art. It is my favorite depiction. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's beautiful. that's a spot-on awesome. And I was like, what? That's my girl. Where did that come from? Jeez, oh, Down to the fingertips, too. I mean, yeah. just... Highly detailed, really, really cool. I think the only time I saw it is because the show follows uh, Mean Mug and Anthony, and he retweets every Alani thing he sees all the time. So yep. <laughs> I, th- I think that's why I saw Anthony. it before. I might have heard of that, um, come to think of it, because I recently played with both uh, Anthony and Bea. Nice. I, I'm sure they brought it up, but I didn't see it. So oh, gotcha. this is, uh, it is something special. No, it's nice to see, because, you know, she's been mentioned on the Battle Plans before, but, you know, she finally got the spotlight and all the attention she deserves for doing all that hard work because, you know, me and Matt know a little bit about drawing cool pictures, and it ain't easy. <laughs> That's right. Hey, none of, our, none of our pictures have been spotlighted yet. No, I wouldn't spotlight those pictures either. <laughs> maybe the next battle plan, you know, there's always hope. You never know. Maybe uh, somebody will be sharing them from Instagram on Twitter. There we go. You never hey, know. So- someday they'll be worth something. It'll be great. I, I told, you know, a side note, I told Matt... <laughs> I told Matt we should take some of these old photos we drew, you know, and uh, for patrons, send them out to the patrons so that in little, like, you know, Framed. cheap dollar store frames or something so they can just put them on yes. their <laughs> Joe's like, no, that'd be more of a punishment than a reward. No, don't yeah, give me right? any of that crap. Put that on your wall. You invite someone over. 
what the hell is that? Oh, don't ask. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Some idiot from Michigan sent it to me. I don't. I didn't even yeah. ask for it. I don't want it. <laughs> All right, wrapping up the battle plan in the coming up segment, they don't really mention anything, but we do get a shift code for Kelvin's golden skin, which if I was looking in the comments, it sounded like it was a freebie from one of the previous Battleborn days, but if you weren't around to get it, now here it is for you. So yeah, hit up the battle plan, hit up the Twitter, you know, go find that out. It's free for everybody. Yeah, I want to say I have this one, but I'm not 100% certain. Either way, I'll save it and go pick it up. I think you do. I definitely do. I have it, yeah. But I'm surprised that both of you have it, considering that you never enter shift codes. Yeah. I enter shift codes. Well, he, he does. Doesn't. I don't. But I think I actually have this one because... I remember there was one chunk one day where I was motivated. No, no. And I had no. like two or three of them. I remember what it was. It's the first Battleborn day. You said, hey, my brother Jared, get on my account and get on and get me the That's exclusive right. skins yes. for that day. You're right. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> so my brother you did had it your for brother? me. Yeah, he, he had his brother uh, do that for him. I forget. I think oh, you were actually man. out of town, so you had yeah, a valid I wasn't excuse, home. but still. Okay. That's, I that's was fair. on vacation somewhere, rather. Yeah, you, you get points for that. That's dedication. That's yeah. planning ahead. That's right. Hey, I had to get my stuff, man. Not that I use Kelvin, but... <laughs> not that you usually get it, but in the one time that you're not there and you absolutely wouldn't have been able to do it, uh, you still did it. You went above and beyond. Mm-hmm. I figured out how to do it. And that's pretty much it for the battle plan. Like I said, nothing else new coming up or anything, no announcements, so we'll probably just roll into our Fortnite discussion. Heck yeah, man. We had uh, quite a bit to talk about. We've had a few more hours, each of us, into the game since last time we talked. Yep. And I, well, obviously Joe wasn't here last time at all, so all sorts of fresh input here. I guess we'll start with this opening opinions, Joe. I mean, me and Matt already gave ours, so we'll get yours, and then we'll kind of just delve in to what we've got going on here, you know, 10-plus hours in. Unlike your character deep dives, I found a lot to agree with with your last episode. Oh, <laughs> I knew you'd get a jab in uh, somewhere. He had to. He was Cochran would have been disappointed if you hadn't. Just a little one. <laughs> but uh, I think we already hashed that out in person, in game anyway. So yeah. in any case, Fortnite um, opening impression was very complicated for me. Um, when I first saw this game, I was pretty hyped for it. Uh, I thought, this is what exactly what I want. This is a zombie-killing game. This is going to be cooperative zombie-killing, rescuing people, missions, and stuff like that. And I don't know what was wrong with me, but at, at some point, I convinced myself this was not a base tower defense game. Mm. This is a base tower defense game, and I cannot stress that enough. Yeah. This game is primarily, at its core, a tower defense game. And I will say that it is about the best tower defense game that I've played on console. Um, The building elements are extremely fluid. Uh, Well, almost extremely fluid. I I mean, I should say this. Building, uh, when you're taking your time, is is extremely rewarding. Mm -hmm. And you can build anything you want. It's really cool. Um, Building on the fly... Not so much. Building on the fly when the pressure's on yeah. is difficult. Um, good thing that you can repair with a click of a button because it would be a nightmare otherwise. Um, so in the micro level, when it comes to basic gameplay, uh, like the third-person shooting mechanics, um, resource collection, that stuff, oh, it, it does feel pretty good. It feels fluid. It doesn't feel overly difficult. Um, 
the early missions, I feel like the difficulty curve is pretty... It's not very steep at all. It's like right off the, at the beginning. It almost lulls you to sleep with how easy it is. They do describe basically what you have to do, but they don't go into the in-depth portion. I feel like with this game, there are two halves. The first half is the micro kind of like gameplay of fighting zombies, getting credits, collecting resources... And then the macro, the back end, is mostly resource management. And that's the part that kind of loses me. And there's a lot to dig into there. Maybe I'm just not the kind of guy that really likes to get in there and then nitty-gritty and figure out metagame and, you know, how to upgrade, when to upgrade certain cards. It's definitely complex. It's, it's a work in progress, for sure. It's a closed alpha right now. So it's going to improve. The iterations are going to get better. Uh, tutorials are going to get more efficient and more thorough. For anyone who really has high hopes for this game, you'll probably see them deliver on those hopes. It might take some time. Uh, you might not want to purchase the deluxe edition, like $40, $60 version right now. But it's building towards a really unique, really cool free-to-play game. There's a ton of stuff in there I want to get going on, and I guess what we'll start with is, now that we've got more hours in, how does the building feel? Because last week we kind of talked about building stuff, and it was, it's a little overwhelming. As of last week, it was Barney Basic, you know, oh, I don't know, put a few walls up, get a get a ladder up to the top, <laughs> uh, put up a couple low walls, maybe some traps, and we start. Nothing special. This week, we're coming at it at a little different angle. Yep. We've had a couple missions, which I want to talk about, where... They encourage you to build very specific forts Mm -hmm. so you start to learn how to utilize the building materials you have and how to change things up to make certain specific stairwells, walls, high walls, mid walls, low walls, that sort of thing. So we'll start there. How is building feeling for you guys this week after about, you know, however many more hours it's been since you played the game? We'll start with you, Matt. Okay. Like you said, there was that uh, that one mission that you and I played where we found that radio tower, and even though there was no tutorial about how to build these things, we kind of figured it out on the fly, and you were able to make these unique, you know, archways and structures and single-level stairs and spiral stairs and, you know, little chunks of floor that had the little wall around it, all that kind of thing. That really kind of opened my eyes to what the actual possibilities were, and it gets me excited for going back into my Storm Shield base and making that as unique as it can be, because there's no real time limit in there once you pop in. You know, I'm Mm going to make that into a really badass-looking fort with wood and metal and brick staircases, all this cool stuff. So I I still think in the actual missions, it still is kind of going to be, you know quick and dirty. Hey, here's walls, here's a ceiling. But I'm excited for when I don't have those time constraints, being able to build up something really fancy. Because I didn't expect that it was going to be there. I agree. Uh, I did find finding like a radio tower, I think it was a radar tower that I found that had the diagram, like a holographic diagram in game. And if you looked into the center of the, the actual building piece, it showed you a specific diagram of which boxes you need to uncheck, which ones to check to build that piece. And before that, I really didn't know of all the different unique parts that you could build for the the different buildings to make them really unique, make them very useful as well. Well, yeah, the archer holes, windows, yeah. doors. Mm-hmm. You can do archways instead of just single doors. You got, like I said, the high walls, the mid walls, the low walls, uh, and the floors. I didn't know at all that you could change the floor into just a, a partial floor. Yep. So you can make a nice yeah. curved little point, put up a little curved wall and everything. It's, you know, that finding that made me go, oh my God, okay, what the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I 
definitely I wanted more things like that at the very beginning yeah. because at the core of this game, um, it's not meant to be a single player game because if it's a single player game, building is easy. You could do whatever you want mm. and you can make it really pretty. Uh, you wouldn't be able to defend it whatsoever. Right. It would be extremely difficult down the road. But the reality is when you get into a game with four other people, unless you have a, f- like a pre-made group of four friends, and even if you do have a pre-made group, you might not all be on the same page, A, in terms of building experience, and B, just in terms of Vision. your site for the building. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, if you don't know what you're building, uh, you're going to just make this sprawling mess mm. that is just going to be... You know, it's not going to be Frank Lloyd Wright. Let's put it that way. We and man always build penises. Just build giant penises <laughs> around. Dude, come on. Shh. Oh, I forgot we can't. Now, uh, now we when everybody comes into show. our Storm Shield base to help us out and sees like four penises everywhere, they're going to know it's us. Come on, man. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, you're right. But to Joe's point about making stuff really pretty, in that Storm Shield base, I was, you know, patrolling the edges, gathering resources, and there's that one big, like, uh, spiral staircase, like, sniper perch. And I was like, oh, I should rip this down and, you know, get the wood out of it. But I was like, but it looks so nice, I'm never going to be able to build anything that looks that way, so I'm going to leave it there. Now I know I can. The explanation wasn't there from the start, so it just kind of, as with so many things, I'm realizing you can do it. I wish somebody would have told me at some point, though. And and it is very valuable, and I I do think that the more I play the game, the more I'm going to notice and really learn things like that, and that's going to help, you know, with the Storm Shield defenses. But I have to say, like, the in-game kind of missions that you have with collecting data, saving survivors. It's fun in-game, but it's so chaotic and individualistic yeah. that it kind of defeats the purpose of like the whole rest of the game. And so I find it strange when you're just dropped into a massive map. Even though the map itself looks really beautiful and cohesive, you're all branching out, like looking for random stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if maybe you're short on metals, you're mining some cars. Maybe you're short on rocks, you're going for the rocks. Maybe you're just me playing the Outlander and stealing all the treasure. Yeah. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like a mad dash, especially with the uh, treasure not being shared. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm not doing this for my team. It's like, how much can I do for myself in this limited amount of time before some idiot activates the Atlas? Yeah. <laughs> and then we all have to rush back and defend the thing or fail the mission. And so, of course, moving on from the buildings into these resources, I want to say, I think that's something they're going to fix. I don't know if you noticed, like when the little trolls pop up and you kill them, all of your teammates get treasure chests. Yeah, I did Not treasure chests, but gift boxes, whatever you want to call them, gift packages. The mimic whack-a-moles, or trolls, rather. Yeah, And it's funny you say that because there's actually mimics in the game as well. And those are treasure chests that pop up, and they come chomping at you, and they'll kill you very quickly. Oh, nice. And then if you kill them, they do the same thing that the trolls do from the uh, the blue goo stuff or whatever it is. They'll drop gift packages for everybody in your team. Nice. So I think it's just one step further, like we talked about last week, to take those treasure chests, and if you pop it, it pops it for everybody. Mm-hmm. Because then, like you said, you're going to get a bit of cohesion going there where you're not going to feel bad like, um, I'm running left because I just saw this random dude go straight, that dude go right or gal, whatever you want to call him, and you're running off and then, you know, trying to find the treasure chest and get him before anybody else does, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And this way you're like, well, yeah, he went that way, cool, he's going to cover there, she's going that way, I'm going to go this way. They find treasure chests, 
Oh, well, we all got them. It's great. That's something to work on. Mm. But I think they're going to get there just because of the other scenarios where you get loot. It's shared packages. Yeah. But resource gathering, you Joe, you were saying you're not big on the whole thing. Oh, well, no, I, I actually really enjoy gathering resources. It's therapeutic for me. Um, as an outlander, my primary character is an outlander. I play Jess, and I love her. Um, and resource gathering is a breeze because that's their, their passive ability. They can get more out of things. They can break it down faster. Um, hitting those little like crit spots on each of the things that like move mm-hmm. around, it's almost soothing. Like to the point where after work, if I get home and I'm really tired, if I pop on Fortnite, like the hunting gathering phase is gonna like almost put me to sleep with like how peaceful and relaxing it is. Nice. And there's so much time. Um, and I remember listening to your episode last week, uh, you guys talking about how time management's kind of it's vague. It's not like you see a timer ticking down like perfectly. I I find that too. Like I could spend all day just doing that. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it's like, oh wait, we have one day left to activate the Atlas and defend the wave. There's like a little, a lot of little issues I have with the UI and with icons. Like the iconography for the game is really Mm -hmm. complicated. Oh, indeed. There's a ton of things uh, and they're all tiny. (laughs) So it's really difficult to see where everything is and get a good feel of how everything works together. And if you go over to the crafting area, it'll tell you what those little icons are and exactly, you know, in nice little detail. But like you said, I think that it's, it's still an issue. Like until you get that down... If you're just quick, quick fire and trying to get a weapon made real quick because you're in the middle of a gunfight and your your weapon broke, which you don't want to do, you want to make sure you, you recycle it before it breaks to get the parts. Mm-hmm. Right. But if it happens and you need a weapon quickly, it'll auto slot it. But say it's a garbage weapon, you want to get something better. Yeah, you go in there and you're like, I need, uh, I don't know what that is. Jeez, oh I need, I need a brown dot. I need some yeah, brown. I need dots. a brown dot those? with a silver lining. I don't know what that is. Gosh. So, <laughs> I think they can do a little bit better with that. Yeah, it, there's definitely a lot of things where I feel like in the heat of battle, if I desperately need something, it's really, really bad to stop and take a look at the start menu and try to figure out, okay, this is what I need. Because mm-hmm. it just stops everything, and unless it's a really uh, easy mission, that's a good way to get overridden. Like, it, it's a pretty risky thing to do. To just pull it up and step aside from the battle. Speaking on the crafting mats, which was one of my big complaints before, I did notice that at the big giant menu screen, there are a lot of sub-menus you can click over to with the right stick that do explain a lot of what is there, but without you know you scanning the screen and seeing the little tiny icon that says move over for more details, you don't know that. Right, and they didn't address that in the very beginning. It, they just kind of yeah. left it for you to explore and figure out. Or like you said, watch a YouTube Mm-hmm. Um, go on the forums, see if someone's asked the same question. Uh, and that's, I guess, just part of the aspect of being still in the technical alpha phase. The difficulty for me is after having paid like basically full price for a full shipped game, um, I'm looking at this AAA game and it feels like it's not AAA at all. Yeah. Because it's not yet. Because it won't be till next year. <laughs> but it's not. And I have to tell you. And, and so it's like I'm paying for this benefit of getting to test the game while it's really messed up yeah so and and you know what i feel like sometimes i i really enjoy doing that like i would i was part of the battleborn uh close technical test and that was a blast that felt different this feels like man it got a long way to go 
but it feels like the polish on the game and the gameplay feels great. The polish on the UI and the the resource management aspects feels like they need to do a major overhaul. Well, I said it last episode, I'm not really an early access guy. I like getting demos of stuff and having it be, you know, a beta or an alpha or a technical test if it's free. I'm definitely feeling you on that. But the gameplay is really good, but the tutorials are bad. I'd almost rather it be the opposite. Like, have really good tutorials, but have the gameplay be a bit janky at this point. It's like, oh, well, they'll clean it up, they'll patch it up. But I can at least understand everything going into it right away. You know, when you get Outlanders and ninjas and stuff that you can't use right away, I'd rather have it be like, hey, you got an Outlander. Here's where you have to go in the skill tree to unlock him. Yeah. Oh, the skill tree is... I mean, I honestly, I could go on and on in this game and all the different components that are in it. Because the craziest Mm. thing about this game is that it's like seven games in one. Yeah. That's the thing that, that threw me off. It's because at its core, it's a tower defense game, but you got like all these trading cards and stuff, like that kind of resource management. You got skill trees like RPGs that you got to really dig into and figure out, okay, where am I going with this to maximize my ability? You have different squads that you assign you know, characters to with the right like job match and personality match to best maximize different aspects of your character mm-hmm. i mean it's a really dense game it's got a lot in it and the more time you spend in it the easier everything becomes yeah um so the payoff is there it's just takes a while to get really into this game i think but it's there it's like a game where i feel like it's perfect for some people and they're gonna just go obsessive with this game i almost think that you have to go obsessive with it because even just looking at level one of the skill tree up top you got soldier level two in the middle you got outlander level two and then you've got like ninja and constructor level two but you have to put in a whole bunch of points to get there and you know i play you know a couple hours a day which is pretty good for me three to four sometimes when i get home from work And I'm still only getting, you know, I can maybe get up to the top of the first skill tree in like two days of play. So this definitely feels like a marathon game. If you want to get everything out of it, you know, I almost feel like I have to streamline. By the end of next year, I'm still going to be going, well, I don't have everything because I tried to and I just, I can't put that much time into it. And I know Eric, especially, you're going to have to pick one skill tree and just go straight down that the whole way. That's my intention for now. And they said that their initial build was going to be uh, very short and sweet skill trees. But uh, after doing testing with others and getting input, they expanded them hugely because everybody asked for it. And the funny thing is, I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't bring up one of the biggest controversies the game has already faced. Which is that there are some players that have hit level cap already and are sensing a gate already. You know, that would be ideal in a free-to-play setting, which it's not yet it's still a paid game so as a result epic put out a list of things you can do to kind of get around it but essentially the fastest way like once you get to max rank once you hit that difficulty bar uh you need epic weapons you need you know some of the best legendaries and it's so grindy to be able to get those things but that's the nature of the beast though right but it's the nature of the beast for a game that's in development for next year that's the way it will be, not the way it should be I, right now. I would disagree because I play. I come from an MMO world, and in MMO worlds, grinding's life. Grinding is your essence of what the game is. 
hey, come in here, grind this dungeon all week long, grind it all week next week. Oh, look, it dropped this weapon. Mm. You didn't drop yours. Aha, uh-huh, go again next week. Oh, it didn't do it again. <laughs> oh, next week. Seven months later, you finally get the yeah. weapon you needed to be optimal. <laughs> That's You sound like me on the experiment, <laughs> <laughs> trying to grind Bola's target finder max roll, which I finally got. But my problem with that is, you know, I understand that, sure, but, I mean, at least so far, I don't have missions that give exact rewards. Like, oh, this gives you Johnny's shotgun. So if I want to get a good shotgun, I'm going to roll that mission and get Johnny's shotgun. As it is now, and, you know, we're still early in the game, so maybe later missions do have that kind of stuff. As it is now, hey, you get some llamas and you explode a llama and I got 18 different survivors. I don't have a team to put those people in. you got to remember, this game's going free to play. Yeah, I know. As a free-to-play game to succeed, there has to be something that's there for you to go after every single day for a very long time. They want legs on this game. And to do that, you can't take up your $15 a month MMO style and actually go, hey, Karthus has the sword you need. Go grind them for four or five weeks. You're going to get it. You're done. Yeah. No, it needs to have loot llamas, which we're going to talk about in a second, to go, hey, this loot llama might have the freaking copperhead terminator in it with best rolls you can see, <laughs> and you're going to get it. Maybe it doesn't. Either way, you're going to keep going after those llamas to keep popping them open for the chance to get that terminator or whatever it is you're looking for, and bada-bing, bada-boom. If you get it, congrats to you. But if you don't, guess what? You'll be back tomorrow doing your dailies, doing your weeklies, whatever it is to keep trying to get it. True. If that's not the type of game for you, I think you're going to do yourself a disservice to pick this game up because at its heart, you're going to need to be grinding those llamas, doing dailies, weeklies, all the quests, helping people defend their storm shields. That's just going to be part of it. True, true. But the loot llamas, oh, oh, oh I love it. Oh, my God, Yeah, dude. let's let's <laughs> just talk about the loot llamas. Just not, not the mechanic of the loot llama, not the fact that you have to grind for loot llamas for your loot, just the loot llamas themselves. They're gorgeous, man. They're pretty. <laughs> I love it. I hate it's, them. No, hate you're them out of so your much. mind. No, dude, loot llamas like, are awesome. What's wrong with the, you? Here's the thing. Here's oh, the ahead, thing with this ahead. game. You're killing me, Joe. So, <laughs> on the whole, the voice acting in the game is excellent. I think we should recognize Ashley Birch, mm-hmm. who plays Ray. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. Who, while extra uh, optimistic, the acting itself is really well. It's really well done. It's convincing. It's different. It's fun. She definitely steps out of her comfort zone. Yeah. She's not playing Tiny Tina. She's not playing, hey, Ash, what you yeah. playing? She's playing an actual character. But I do feel like the, one of the issues with the game, uh, exemplified by the loot llamas, is, is that the delivery of the game is cloyingly sweet. It is like, it, it feels to me as though they looked at Seven Days to Die, for instance. They looked at that kind of game and said, that's a cool mechanic. I like killing zombies. I like building forts and just tower defense from that. That sounds awesome, but let's make it accessible. So they took maybe Plants vs. Zombies, and they took, like, pick your Pixar movie, and they made it into, like, a really a really sweet package where it doesn't, it doesn't feel badass at all. It does not feel dark. It does not feel grim. It feels happy. It feels light. It feels rated for everyone even though it's definitely not rated e for everyone but it's almost as if they're trying to make that feel like that like oh it's the end of the world and we have a a happy robot we have these talking loot llamas that have the most annoying impressions i have ever heard (laughs) and like i do want to beat them 
you know, on the bright side, I want to open those things because <laughs> that's what they're going for. You you want to bust that stupid llama in its face and pop him open and eat his guts out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> guts being candy. It's true, <laughs> but but I do feel like the overall um, tone of the game is kind of in a weird place because it feels just so happy and like, but it's the end of the world and everyone's husk zombies. They're wearing their faces like hoodies. It has the elements of horror, but it shirks horror and it substitutes humor and, and I don't know, a saccharine fantasy. I agree that the tone kind of is, is a little weird for the setting that it is, but I think it's kind of refreshing. I enjoy it myself just because, I mean, I've played so many serious, gritty, bloody, gory games that it's just like, all right, I just want to have fun. You know, hey, look, it's the end of the world, but I'm having fun. I'm building stuff. I got cool weapons. I'm killing dumb looking zombies. I'm building up goofy looking forts. I'm, you know, I'm putting out a giant mechanical teddy bear that's going to shoot. I do. I do like the teddy bear. There's only so much grim dark that I can do all at once. And if all my other games are grim, dark and serious, I want, you know, a little palate cleanser. You're doing serious stuff, but it's in a goofy tone. It's fun. It's colorful. I don't know. I enjoy it. We're going into aesthetics for the whole game. I thought we were just specifically talking about the llama. And the llama is beautiful because... <laughs> the llama the llama is like... That, that <laughs> exemplifies the tone of the game. The only thing this llama is supposed to do, Joe, is make you want to punch it open and get loot. That's its purpose in okay, life. It does accomplish its mission. And it makes you feel good when you hit the llama. It makes you feel good when you hit it. It makes you feel good when it pops open and loot comes out. That's what it's going for, and it just it perfectly encapsulates that. Like you want to hit it, you want the loot inside, and you feel good when it doesn't. And that's what they wanted. They wanted to yeah. make sure when you got a llama, you couldn't wait to go pop it. When I saw the llama mechanic initially, I thought, "Oh, cool, it's a pinata." Mm-hmm. And now I see the llama, and I'm just like, "I'm gonna pop that sucker in the mouth." That's right, <laughs> right now. <laughs> gonna beat that thing down. And then he's gonna turn silver. And then he's gonna turn gold. And I'm gonna get God, a legendary. I'm like, die already! Uh-huh. Die! <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so let me put on a side note. Joe needs therapy. All right. Go, Roger that. Put that in a side note. <laughs> but all right, we'll move on from the llamas because it's goofy. I did want to talk a little bit about monsters. What do and, you guys think? You know, a few hours in, a couple of extra added monsters to the game. Do you feel like monster-wise that the game's starting to get a little more difficult? Joe, I know you mentioned earlier that it eases you in like almost too easy to where you're basically asleep at the wheel doing these missions. Have you got to a point now where some of these creatures are giving you an issue? Not exactly. We have a few of the ranged guys. We got the propane husk. I haven't really hit any of the really big ones. I, I actually have not failed a mission yet, although I was I was empathizing with you two when you were mentioning that you've started missions not knowing like what your ammo count was or what your nuts and bolt count was. And like three shots later You're out. I'm down to my like mm. ruler sword. And you're just like, Well, I hope this pitchfork gets me through. I'll go next because you brought up two things that I did have recently. I have failed a mission. I was playing solo, and because it is just an online game, it stuttered and crashed. Okay. I loaded back in, and it went, hey, your game's still up. And I went, okay. And it went, hey, the game's over. Well, it's because nobody's there to defend the fort, and they just overran everything. And then two, I have died in a mission recently. It was because I was trying to juggle, like, 
I think there were two spawn camps and I couldn't corral them together. So I was just basically wading in, trying to hack and slash. And I got just like kind of glitched between a wall and six normal husks that just jumped on me and I couldn't jump away or do anything. So I did die, but it, it has like a like a 15 second. Yeah, I think it was 15 seconds. Uh-huh. Respawn timer. And it's got like a bunch of lives. So it wasn't a big deal that I died. But as far as monsters, nothing really gives me issues. Oh. No, that, that's not true. The baseball guys do give me issues sometimes because I'll be standing there, you know, dodging their stuff, but not remembering that it's just circling back and hitting the wall behind me. So I'll turn around. Hey, why is the Atlas open? Why is there no wall there? Oh, it's the stupid baseball guys. So for those, I think you really got to like kind of lead them away. I, I do think that that's an important strategy. And I'll say that the monsters for me, I'm I'm liking the ramping up they're doing introducing the new monsters every so many missions. Yeah. And I feel like they're starting to get interesting. I feel like the minis are a cool addition. You know, these little little just packs that come running in on you, the shriekers or lobbers, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a slow, hey, pay attention to this, understand what they do, and then start to counter it. And like we're all saying, it's easy right now because it's doing it so slowly that you're able to go, okay, I understand the baseball guys aren't a big threat, but if you let them go, there's going to be like five or six of those guys just tossing those baseballs at, like you said, the wall. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you're completely defenseless and going, what the heck happened? Yep. Uh, you know, and the fatties are just, you know, no big deal, but it can become an issue if you let those slip. It's it's basically the same for all of them. you got to keep them under control and which ones are a priority. And I feel that they do a good job in that sense of introducing everything slowly and letting you get familiar with who you want to kill first in order of operations of what's out and fighting you at that moment. Oh, the one thing I do want to mention on the monsters is how hard it is still to corral them. I think I've just got two wards now that are like, hey, it will stop monsters from spawning within five tiles of this. Maybe if I put one floor tile down right in front of one spawn camp, build some walls around it, put the ward in the middle, hey, that's one spawn camp, I don't have to worry. But I find that even if I you know, put walls together and like leave an alley for them to go through, sometimes they still will just divert and disperse and just attack the walls and go all the way around. I don't feel like there's a really good way to funnel them. Maybe if you had like a meat trap, you put the meat trap down, they're going to come directly for it no matter what. I found out how to make them path. Apparently, from what I'm hearing, they go along the path of least resistance. Well, yes, they do. So what you need to do is, instead of just building a wall, you have to, behind it, put a space. Then you need to build a flooring, put up a half wall, and then you got to put up the cone thing. So that way you're getting like a, a, a cone the half wall and then an actual wall. And for all you visual learners listening to this podcast, yes, it's impo- <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. It's complicated, but there's a ton of videos out there. You want to leave a hole, let them come through, and then trap the hell out of the floor. Yes, but as Matt was saying, if you don't build the wall to be like a triple to quadruple wall set, they won't go to the traps. They'll still attack the wall. Yeah, because they're gonna their AI goes, hey, this wall is only one layer. Whereas if I go through the alley, every trap's a layer, every wall trap's a layer. So now you've got three traps or whatever, and they're gonna go well. Three layers versus one layer, they're gonna go to the wall. Yeah. They're not gonna go to the trap set. So you have to triple coat your walls and then lay out your two or three traps, and then they'll funnel through that instead. Yeah. And then you get your like you said, you get your funnel. They're dying in there to the traps. You're looking like an awesome pro. Everything's good to go. Nice rhyme at the end. So, Good job. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Saved another. I found that the intelligence of these things, these husks, is pretty awesome. Yeah. Because you watch them, and they won't just stand there and just 
pound against nothingness for no reason. If you left a crack, say you built your wall up into a hill, but you didn't get through that crack there, mm-hmm. like there'll be that little space. They'll go through that, and they will find a way straight into the atlas or your home base, whatever it is you got left open. Or if you don't defend the hill well enough, they'll just drop off the hill and just mm-hmm. fall down and just come straight in. We found that the yeah. last time we were playing. Oh, yesterday. Yeah, exactly. So I think that uh, they've got a really good uh, set of programming you know, for these guys on their hands already. And obviously they've got a whole year to improve it. But what they've already got mm. going has impressed me. And, you know, and I do agree with you, Joe, that they have started off a little too easy, I think, because some of these missions, and we're, I'm, we're just now touching into ones that are actually even, you know, remotely challenging. You could, in your sleep, beat these things. With some of the early missions, you don't even have to build. No, not at all. I mean... You just shoot them. So I do wish the pressure was up just a little bit to force the creativity necessary for building like a real base and like learning pathing routes and it would be helpful for them to go into strategies like making like death paths to like lead people down that would be useful because they know their system the best so it would be really nice for them to share some of that with all of us and then uh, lastly tonight for the Fortnite conversation we'll do a lot more in the coming episodes but uh we got to wrap it up somewhere so just an overall characters Thus far, so far, what are you feeling? Who are you playing? And do you enjoy them at all at this point? Do you think you're going to switch? We'll just get real general basic thoughts. We'll start with you, Matt. I enjoyed the soldier that I started off with. I like that she had that little minigun, so when all my crap was broken or I had no ammo, I could kind of fall back on that for a little bit. Really digging the constructor, though. I think, you know, I recently unlocked the Outlander. been having fun with that, but I find that the, the way you activate skills with the Outlander, if you don't find enough fragments, it really sucks because then you're just down to traps and guns and that's it but i like the constructor because she's got that cooldown. you know it goes off of your stamina or your energy so hey i just wait till i get 100 energy i put the base down i wait till i get so much energy i use my bull rush plus she's got a ton of hp so i really like that i had to wait in there with my little machete because everything else was broken or out of ammo i don't have to worry about it too much just whap 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 really digging the constructor haven't unlocked the ninja yet but i'm looking forward to that what about you, Joe? I'm rocking the Outlander right now. I'm rocking Jess. Not just because of the sweet mohawk, but she is the resource collector extraordinaire in the game. And I find it extremely useful for me to collect all the things that I need to face a defense. Even though I feel like I should be sharing, I'm not sure if I know how to do that yet. So I just take everything for me. And, uh... Nice. And I'll build what I need. I usually focus on traps, so I'm trying to upgrade my tech next. Um, But yeah, I'm really enjoying the Outlander because the primary reason I chose the Outlander was because I heard that they not only were the best at looting, but they were able to actually see visual cues and hear audio cues of treasure nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, And the group that I played with, uh, there is a person in the group i call her skills and she is kind of a rival in a good way but a rival so uh she's always trying to steal my shards in battleborn she's always looting things that i i'm going for in every other game and so i figured wow an outlander who specializes in looting Mm -hmm. sounds like an awesome pirate in this zombie apocalypse i'm gonna rock that thing I'm going to steal all the loot, and I'm not going to let skills get a dime. Very nice. Do you feel nice. like, you know, however many hours you're in, that the Outlander's doing what you wanted him to, or her to? Yeah. 
Um, for the most part, yeah. I, I do think it's clear to me that the Outlander is really good at collecting resources. Um, and they're fast, so that really helps, like, traversing the map. Mm. I like the ability of, like, playing like a scout. Um, the only thing I would like better is just, like, a more specialization when it comes to combat. Um, obviously, uh, Jess has that robotic teddy bear that's out there for 10 seconds or whatever and it definitely helps but i want something more and so i'm thinking of like you know how much i would have liked to have been a ninja mm. to try to experience like the melee side of things or a soldier to try to get a feel for their big weapons or a constructor even even though i feel like the constructor is kind of a more of a high level character that you have to like really know the nuances of the game to be able to really play the the constructor but frankly i like all the differences between the characters outlander seems like the right fit for me definitely would like to give the ninja a try next i've been doing the soldier exclusively so far and she's impressing me i like uh going commando like you're talking about matt that's the minigun skill mm-hmm. fantastic frag grenades a ton of fun the only thing is she she's big in the assault rifles and i'm finding that I'm drawn towards the shotguns. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I feel myself already drifting slightly because I want to be in in the fray using shotguns. But, of course, that's a constructor sort of deal. Mm. But I don't really have an interest in uh, fortifying, you know, the bases and all that either. I'm thinking the ninja might be my solution. It allows me to get in the fray using the uh, swords and the ninja stars and whatnot, but then, of course, jump back out, recoup, get back in there. I'm quick, agile. So I'm looking forward to trying the ninja, but, of course, don't have the ninja accessible quite yet. Mm-hmm. Thus far, where I'm at, the soldier is a lot of fun. And like you said, that going commando will save your gosh darn life. Yep. So I am enjoying it so far. Can't wait to get my hands on some more. As I stated in the beginning, it's a work in progress. I'm going to be playing this game for some time to come. I'm sure mm-hmm. both of you guys are going to continue to do so. So. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to talk about it some more, man. But uh, with that, I think we should probably wrap it. Yeah, any last thoughts? Huh? Before we do, a parting thought. I do think that it's wise to um, acknowledge the role that Gearbox played. I think it's really awesome. I don't want people to get the wrong impression and think that Fortnite is a Gearbox IP. Right. Because it is most certainly not. It is an Epic no. Games IP. <laughs> Good old friends, people can fly, helped out, co-developed it of Bulletstorm fame. But Gearbox reached out to them through their new publishing team, and they handled distribution and the physical copies of the game. Mm-hmm. So boxing, delivering, that kind of stuff. We did mention it last week, but yeah, definitely if someone's just coming in this episode and is like, what the hell are they talking about? This isn't a Gearbox game. No, it is Epic who did it. But as Joe eloquently said, Gearbox pitched in with the publishing side and did a distribution for it. So, Which is very important and still relevant for a Gearbox-centric podcast because mm-hmm. their publishing wing, although not the software development team, is still an integral part of their business that's growing, as evidenced by Bulletstorm, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, now going, you know, Fortnite, that's a big AAA title, title that they're credited on. I do think it's really important, and I like the fact that Gearbox is maturing in that direction. Yeah, it's definitely cool to watch because typically it's only those really huge, huge entities that do publishing and developing. Mm-hmm. And to see Gearbox still in control of themselves and coming up in the world like this is really cool to see and be part of, you know, as it happens. Yep, definitely. So, all right, let's wrap that up. And, you know, we got a little else, uh, a little something else to do, don't we, What's Matt? That? Uh-oh, we got a mailbag <gasps> question. It's the mailman! <laughs> This mailbag question comes to us from, I think it's a friend of yours, Joe, uh, some guy named Joe Zoes. His question is, what has been your favorite special mode? Chaos, Big Head, Low Grav, Warfare, Tank Yankers, or Trash Can Bird Brawl? Also, how would you like to see the special modes mixed in? On a daily basis, weekly, monthly, how would you set the rotation? I am so glad that you chose this question, first of all, Uh. because it's a fantastic (laughs) question posed by one of your most intelligent listeners. Uh But I also think it really is an important thing for uh, Gearbox to look at because they've made all these awesome little modes. Now let's figure out how they're going to ration them because Mm. everyone likes different things. I think my personal favorite mode is big head mode because that was hilarious okay but i do want to see some of those back how are they going to bring them back i pose the question to you gentlemen starting off with my favorite it's got to be trash can bird brawl that was the most fun i've had in the game in a long time i mean i love the game and i have fun with its regular modes but that was just over the top and ridiculous like i said every time i shot down a benedict i bursted out in laughter it was great that's been my favorite As far as how I would do it, I would probably go bi-weekly on a shuffle rotation. Just say, hey, in two weeks it's going to be chaos, in two weeks it's going to be big head, two weeks from there it's warfare. To have it kind of freshening up the game every two weeks. Would it be there constantly for the two weeks? I was just thinking like on the weekend, like every two weeks, hey, this weekend is big head mode, this weekend is this or that. And I feel like that'd be something you could easily do because, I mean... It would just pop there down at the bottom. Here's our rotation of crazy modes. I feel like it would keep it fresh, you know. It's not every week. It's not so far apart that it's a month. Two weeks is about that sweet spot, I think. People don't get sick of them, but you're not waiting forever for anything new to happen. What about you, Eric? I mostly agree. First off, favorite by far, yes, Trash Can Bird, Brawl. Oh, man. Laugh and just laugh and laugh and laugh and loved every bit of it. Mm. Um, And I do agree that every other week it should be announced with the battle plan, and then not I don't think it should last two weeks, all two weeks, so like every mode should be there two weeks, but I think one week, one full week, seven full days. Okay. So they announce it on the battle plan, it goes active that Friday, it lasts till the next Friday, and it cuts out. And then when the next battle plan comes, it re-ups and does the next one, and just goes into a rotation of them all. Uh, maybe some iteration on tank anchors. That one was a little meh. I feel you. It was not one of my favorite modes, although I did appreciate the new map. Yeah, yeah. so did I. But I think for a week would be great because the problem I find all the time is I'm a busy guy on the weekend. True, true. And so it comes on Friday. I don't get to play till Friday night. And then Saturday, I'm usually busy. I'm busy, and Sunday I'm mostly busy until the evenings, and we do the podcast every other week, so mm. you know every other Sunday... I have no time. So it's one of those situations where when these things come along, I get maybe one night usually. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it'd be great if it was there for that entire week because, hey, Wednesday night, I'm bored. I got nothing to do. Boom, I could pop on the mode, get a few more hours into the game, have a good time with it. So I think one week would be the sweet spot for it, but not two because I think then it's kind of drawn out 
it's welcome a little too long. Yeah. People get bored of it, and then you know, and, oh, I don't want to play that. What about you, Joe? Well, I agree with Eric because there are so many modes at this point where I feel like once a week is enough time between different modes where people are not going to get tired of them. It'll keep it fresh. I think for reference, I'm looking back to Left 4 Dead 2. Left 4 Dead 2 did a similar thing. Valve decided to implement a bunch of special modes uh, that they called mutations Mm -hmm. that were specific iterations of the game to just make it wackier, make it fun. And Battleborn is doing very much the same thing that Left 4 Dead did, which I think is awesome. And they did the same thing. They, I think they rotated, they probably kept it open for about a week, then they closed it, and then there was downtime, and then they reopened another one, maybe two, three weeks later, and I always wanted it to be faster. But every time that you were able to do that, you would see, like, stats, they would feed back with stats of who's playing, how much time is played you know, what specific kills with certain weapons you got. And I would really like to see something like that, some sort of interactive format where Gearbox is showing, like, how many Benedicts got killed. I just think that that would be, like, an interesting way for them to keep it fresh, at the same time connect with the community, and just show off, like, a unique way of looking at the stats of the game and how those modes are unique. That pretty much wraps up the mailbag. Thank you for the question, Jozos, whoever you are out there. Hey, wherever you are out there, man. Good on you. We appreciate those questions. Yeah, and if anybody else has any questions for us, you can send those via email at info at thirdshift.me. You can tweet at us at thirdshiftme, and you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift. And don't forget the Patreon. Oh, well, yeah, but you think I'm going to forget that Patreon? Sheesh. <laughs> How else do you think they could afford me for the speaking performance? I know, this is ridiculous. It's costing us a fortune. we got to wrap this up because he's trying to charge us an extra couple bucks here. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so we got a Patreon out there, as all of you may or may not know. We treat it like a tip jar. If you like what you hear, you know, like this particular episode, go on in there, throw us a buck, throw us two bucks, 50 cents, doesn't matter. Anything and everything is very much appreciated. If you can't donate money, we understand. Money's important. Everybody needs to survive. Throw us a mailbag question. Throw us some comments. Or, as Matt's going to say, get us those iTunes, you know, freaking ratings because those five stars, man, they give you gold-flecked eyebrows. It's good stuff. You're going to want those. So go get us a five-star review and get you some gold-flecked eyebrows. That's exactly it. Starting next week, we're going to start reading out the iTunes reviews that we get. I like it. You can incentivize your listeners to giving you five-star reviews. That'd be cool. They hear their name. They're all happy. Joe, I try to tell them all the cool things they get when they do iTunes reviews, but none of them listen. Mm -hmm. There's rockets to the moon, gold-flecked eyebrows, horses (laughs) that talk. I mean, what else do you guys need? I mean, geez. Yep. (laughs) This is all real. So as we've been getting at, if you like what we're doing, please give us a rating or a review or a comment or any kind of good thing on any one of the services you can find the podcast at, like iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. And of course, this podcast drops every Friday, so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 11th of August for our very next episode. And uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. I think there's only one thing left to say, gentlemen. Uh-oh. Well, before before the big famous thing, I want to say thanks for coming on the show. Yes, definitely. We appreciate you. all your uh, patronage. We appreciate you agreeing to come on here. You know, it's not every day, you know, you're like, oh, sure, I'll be on a podcast with some crazy people. It's great. That's right. <laughs> but we do appreciate it. Mm. You know, you've been with us since the beginning. And uh, we appreciate that very much and hope uh, we keep on entertaining you guys. Yep, absolutely. And with that, all three of you guys, I'm just going to say, don't forget to say.
and sit down.